I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In our spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. It's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And the Lord will speak to you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. His word will come to you specially again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking to that important matter in your heart. And bringing you to the fullness of the stature of Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Okay, so our school of prayer again, where we learn how to pray, where we learn how to offer prayers that are pleasing to God, prayers that are in keeping, alright, in alignment with the will of God. And this um, issue that's um, happening in the world today has kind of um, cost us, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, because I normally don't just respond to things going on. I believe by the Holy Spirit, we are taking some issues along the lines uh, along the line of what is um, in the minds of people in the world right now. And of course, uh, we have to answer the needs of the people of God. God does that. So today, let's um, open our Bibles to the book of Exodus. We title this, you know, everything has an advantage. Now, I tend to have titled ahead because we want to tell people what you're going to be talking about. And um, so I, ta- I titled today's um, meditation, The Plagues of Life and Our Passover Protection in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We are dealing with the plagues of life and our Passover protection in Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, we have Passover protection in Christ Jesus. And we are going to look at how do we apply that in our lives, all right, today. This is our school of prayer. Now let's read first of all from the book of Exodus chapter 11, which um, is a place where Passover was introduced in the Bible. God said in verse 1, one more plague, he was speaking to Moses, I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Of course, we know up to this point, God had been bringing uh, different plagues. And at that time, we, we had gone through the ninth one, of which most of them were limited. Uh, the Israelites, the people of Jacob, were excluded from involvement in these plagues. And so uh, God was saying there's one more he wanted to bring. Why God waited at this time, there are many explanations. The one I understand is that God had to judge all the gods of Egypt. He had to confound the things that human beings had confidence in. And like I said, teaching last year towards the end of the year, I think that would be around October thereabouts, I explained that um, God said he was going to judge the things that people put their confidence in. Bell, he said, we bow down and Nabal, we stoop over we will realize that only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. So those are the things we said. And when I said that time, I didn't even know I was going to go out in the world. And of course, the last few hours and days, I've been encountering things that other people preached. And I just know I must have been speaking by the Spirit of God. For example, I said something that the world shouldn't think that this particular pandemic, this coronavirus, the worst that will happen. That will soon go away and something worse will replace it. I just don't know how long it will take for that one to come. Only for me to get messages yesterday and find out that men have... <laughs> 
Real, you know me, I'm a teacher. I just teach. Okay, so while teaching, you just say some things by the Spirit. Real prophets have heard from God and declared it weeks ago. Some of them months ago. Some of them even gave days when this one will come to an end. And they said that that is just the beginning of hardship for people. And I said, aha, uh-huh. precisely what I, I was saying here. So I believe it was the Spirit of God that led me to say that. And of course, like I was saying, um, I said God is judging the things that people put their confidence in. And that was the reason why he took um, Egypt through those different plagues. Different, each one of them was judging something that Egyptians had their confidence in. Why hardening the heart of Pharaoh? Yes, God didn't give Pharaoh the opportunity to repent before that time. God did not allow Pharaoh to say, okay, let them go. He said, I will harden his heart. And that was what he did. I don't want to discuss now because it takes me from the main thing we are discussing on why God did that hardening of the heart of Pharaoh. One thing I can just say quickly is that God's ways are just. He never does what is wrong. He never does what is wrong. It does not ever happen that God did something and it is wrong. So if you think that something is wrong, it's because you don't understand exactly what happened. So God hardened the heart of Pharaoh rightfully. Pharaoh deserved to die. And at that point in time, he would have become just a tool in the hands of God who had given himself over to doing that which is not glorious. Now, so, the 10th plague is where we're going to read from, chapter 11, Exodus. Now, the Lord said to Moses, one more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man ask his neighbor or each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl, who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, neither, I said, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you and all your people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. Now, this, what I want to get is chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now, if the lamb, the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, 
Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take one of the blood, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, both his head and his legs along with the entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Can somebody say amen to that? Now I want to read that as a prayer, as a prophetic word. God says, I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Say amen to that. And no plague will befall you. Another amen? Amen. Yeah, no plague will befall you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we're going to stop reading. That's in that portion of um, Exodus. Uh, Let's uh, quickly go to the book of Psalm, Psalm 91. Remember, we are talking about our Passover protection in the time of trouble, in the time of a plague. That life has plagues, but we have a Passover protection in Jesus Christ. Quickly, the book of Psalm 91. He said from verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, I particularly like King James' expression here, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm using the New American Standard, so let me read it properly. He said, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. How do you dwell? Now, this is my own understanding part of it. I will say of the Lord, My refuge and my fortress. My God, in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. Now this is so important. I'm linking this with what we just read in Exodus chapter 12. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness, he says, is a shield and bulwark. He said you will not be afraid of the terror by night and of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but they shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the, of the wicked. Why? For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. He said, No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels. I'm not praying yet, please. So reserve the amen for now. God bless you. I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. He said, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life I will satisfy him 
and let him see my salvation. The Lord is good. Now, I wanted to read these two portions, okay, uh, as a foundation for what we are discussing. Life has plagues. Let me start with that again. Life has what? Plagues. There are plagues in life. The, I don't want to talk about the source of the plague now. Last time I explained, and it's so important we don't forget that, that let's not make our God, the world doesn't fear God because we don't tell him, tell them to fear him. We think they should honor God, they should respect God. That is what the world hears from our mouths. And I want to say that doctrine is wrong. That preaching is what? Wrong. We don't, I mean, we are doing this service to the assignment that God has given us to give the impression that what the world is supposed to do is just to, according to us, oftentimes, reverence God. The word the Bible uses again and again is to fear. The word the, the word the Bible uses again and again is that people should fear God. They should tremble. Say, tremble, O earth, before the Lord. Everybody should be told to tremble. Now, what do you mean when you say they should fear God? It is simple. Because he punishes people. He judges iniquity. In his righteousness, he will bring forth his indignation and people will suffer. In righteousness, he will bring forth his judgment and people will be destroyed. I know many people who are so used to the sweet, sweet God that we preach, we react at what I'm saying that, no, praise the God of love. Let me say it to you again. There's only one thing that is the love of God to the world. Just one thing. Just one, not two things. It is not affection. God is not missing you when you travel. Don't, do, are you getting my point? <laughs> Don't even get, because that's what we try to, the impression we give to the world. That you see, uh, God uh, doesn't want you to go to hellfire. You know, he will miss you forever. What kind of nonsense is that? That's not how he behaves. Does he love the world as he wants to hug the world? No. What is the love of God for the world? It's called Jesus Christ. The Bible says this was how God loves the world. We need to keep explaining these things so that people don't, they don't misunderstand it. John chapter 3 verse 16 said to be the most popular, the most well-known, the most famous verse of scripture. John 3 16, for God so loved the world. That word so is not describing intensity, it's describing method. So you read some Bibles, it will tell you, they will tell you, this was how God showed his love for the world. This was the love of God manifested. The one you say, thus, you say, for God thus loved the world. The word love there, all right, in the Greek, is an action love. That is, this was the action God took to help the world. Now, what am I going to explain? That is the limit of his love. That is it. That is, the Bible says, so that those who believe will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Now, if they don't believe, he says they have perished already. They are already condemned. So, there's no love that will not take them off condemnation if they don't accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 5, he said those who believe, they have passed from death into life in verse 24. All right? They've passed from death into life. If you want to pass from death into life, you must believe. That is the meaning of the love of God for the world. The people must learn to fear God. Let me tell you what it means. It means that God will judge iniquity. The soul that sins, it shall die. I hope you're getting my point. A man was sick. Jesus went to him, prayed for him. He got well. Then Jesus came back to him. He said, go and sin no more, lest something worse comes upon you. That is, if you continue sinning, something worse will come. It will come. Many times you want to explain that it's not God, it is the devil. 
Like I said, Jesus said, the Bible says, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, what is it? It is sin. So if God knows how to protect you and he does not protect you, he's responsible. I don't know why you're getting my point. They say, no, God just removes his hand of protection and then the devil now does it. It doesn't make any difference. A dead man is a dead man. Whether God directly killed him or God withdrew his hand of protection and Satan killed him, let's not try and make, you know, we have this assignment that we give to ourselves to dress our God so nicely in shiny colors so that people will love and be attracted to him. They don't, he doesn't need that. They don't need that. What we attract people to God the most is the fear that we have of him. I hope you're getting my point. They should fear his judgment. One day Jesus will return and will send people to hellfire. Don't be afraid to say it. One day somebody said, I was saying, uh, talking about hellfire, I was on radio, talking about that. Day. Why should I say things like that? I said, because I'm preaching the Bible. I'm preaching the Bible. And like one thing David Paulson said, he said, everything I learned about hell, I learned from Jesus Christ. Eternal damnation is in the scriptures. Temporal damnation is in the scriptures. I hope I get my point. That is, God, God punishes people now. And then he punishes them in eternity. Let's not lie. Let me say to you, if you continue in your sins, you will die. If you continue in your sins, God will punish you. Let's get it clear. It's not God does not want you to die. I know that. But if you continue the way you are going, you will die. If you continue all the sexual immorality, financial impropriety, stealing, cheating, stabbing people in the back, robbing, kidnapping, listen to me, the soul that sins, it shall die. If you don't like it, go and repent. But there is forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Somebody give me a loud amen. amen. There is forgiveness in Christ Jesus. If anyone comes to Christ Jesus, forsakes his sin, and please, there is no believing without repentance. I've seen that gospel, that preaching. People try to popularize it. That to believe just means to believe. It has nothing to do with your works. It's a lie. James has explained it to us clearly that faith can be dead. Any faith that is not accompanied by repentance is a dead one. Paul said, God taught me, showed, told me to go and preach repentance that leads to salvation. Please, let's balance our gospel. This sweet, sweet, sweet gospel, Santa Claus, Father Christmas Jesus, is a lying one. It's not the truth. It's not the truth. Anyone who does not repent of his sins is not saved. You cannot believe in Jesus and not repent. It doesn't work. It's like they say, you cannot separate wet and water. If you believe in Jesus, you will repent from sin. That was why John said, okay, that the way that is born of God does not practice sin, does not continue in iniquity, because the seed of God is in him. So anyone who's continuing in sin, the seed of God is not in that individual. I hope you're getting my point here. That is what mistake... No, Listen, I went through that evolution also. Please, let me just be, let me confess. That is... We learned it. When I first started learning the gospel, we learned the fear of God. You don't want to go to hellfire. Honestly, I must have answered an altar call nothing less than ten times. Why? I didn't want to go to hell. And somebody explained to me that I don't, I don't need to explain it to be giving my life to Christ all the time. Once, let me, I want, I want to say, the, the thing she said was my classmate. Some of the things she said, I want to add my, to this understanding to it. What she was saying is that once you are sincere in your giving your life to Christ, what you now need to do is to be growing in grace. Aha, uh-huh. that was the last time I answered an altar call. Okay, it does not mean I never did anything wrong after that, but you don't continue in sin. That was why John said, if anyone sins, he confesses the sins and is forgiven. I hope you're getting my point. That is the way it works. 
But for us to make it look as if we don't need to fear the judgment of God is a lie. If you continue in sin, you will receive his judgment. The, we should, people must be taught to fear God. And I said it last time, and I'm not missing what's about it. I wasn't missing what's about it, and I'll say it again. Currently, God is manifesting for the world to see the fact that he's been angry for a long time. And I said, look, it's just a foretaste of the real plague of God. Somebody sent, um, one of my classmates sent a, um, a picture today. You know, very beautiful. I, I had a good laugh. It showed, you know, you know these uh, WhatsApp chats, things we share around, an image. It showed a pharaoh standing like this and looking at something. And the caption on it, just one plague. You are reacting like this. <laughs> I don't know how you get the joke. The pharaoh was just looking like this, looking at something. And the caption was, just one plague. You guys are reacting like this. I went through 10. You guys should understand what it means to be plagued. <laughs> now, it's only one. And what I want to say to you is that that's how it is. This is not just one plague. It's the first plague. There's a difference between one and first. Meaning another will come. It will come. Last time I spoke, I was telling my wife when we were leaving. I said, I hope I spoke by the Spirit too because... Words will come out of my mouth, which I can't take back. Only for me to now get that, uh, thank you, relax. I know you're a teacher, you, but you spoke by the Spirit. Because the prophets who have been in the council of God, who God had caught up to heaven, and the presence of God had told them things, said to them exactly what I said. And I did not even know they said it. That this one will come and go. In fact, a man gave the name of one prophet in America who prophesied by the end of September, that this thing, that the Lord said, before this year is over, the plague of judgment will arrive on the earth. This thing broke out in December. The, I mean, my prophesying by September or October that it's going to happen before the year is over. And the same man said, before the middle of this year, the thing will go. So this man that was referring to it said, well, if the first one happened, let's see the second one should happen. But both of them independently said, what will replace it, the world will wish for this one to come back. I maintain what I said last time. Because I said it, I I didn't hear them say it. I finally listened to this message I'm telling you yesterday and this morning. In fact, it was this morning. I got it yesterday and I listened to it this morning. I said, my God. I told my wife, this is exactly what I was saying. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, this truth is confirmed. It's confirmed. It is confirmed. Listen, tremble. Let me not sound like a wicked person. The Bible says, tremble, O earth, before the Lord. In the worst prosperity, they have insulted him and taken his name in vain again and again. They have assailed against his people. They have made up their minds to wipe out the knowledge of the creator of the heavens and the earth. And they say, will I keep silent forever? That's what the Lord is saying. Now, I can say something to everybody. Listen to me. I know the way God behaves. So what I'm about to say, the prophet did not say it. I'm saying this out of my understanding of the scriptures. First, let me say something that will scare people. Then I'll not say the one that will make people happy. There is no way you can play, pray that thing not to happen. Don't waste your time. I've been in prayer meetings over the last few weeks. People say, ha, we declare, we bind this. I'll just shut my mouth. When they are binding, I'll be quiet. So why are you buying things that are not within your power to buy? I'm going to write a teaching shortly on exercising the believer's authority. 
one major problem Christians have had is that they carry, they, they exercise authority not given to them. Jonah, the storm is tossing the boat up and down because Jonah is inside. Believers will join their hands and say, we rebuke this storm. I say, if Jesus was there, he wouldn't do it. Jesus will come and say, why is this storm making us like this? He say, Jonah, you want it to stop? You know what to do. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. To Nineveh, I shall go. That is how to resist the devil. You don't resist the devil because you are looking for good things. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It goes with it. Submit to God. Those two things go together. James said it. Peter said it. Resisting the devil is not to look at the devil and say, I resist you. No. You will humble yourself. You will submit to God. Last time I said, I was going to explain something. I don't think I got into it. What Acts chapter 10 meant when he said, God, Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Because you must, you must understand that when God has given forgiveness, any suffering after that point becomes an oppression. That was what Jesus solved. When God forgives, any punishment, suffering, after the point of forgiveness is called oppression. That was why Jesus went after those who were baptized by John. Because John came with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So those that John baptized, they were sick, many of them. But the Bible says he did no mighty work. I'm convinced, just talking about it now, just came to my mind. Some of them would have gotten healed before Jesus came. But there was no mighty work from the hand of John. But for many, for certain reasons, they remained in their sicknesses, they remained in their poverty, they remained in their troubles. So basically what was happening is that because they had been forgiven, Everything they were going through now, the Bible makes it clear it was an oppression of the devil. So what God gives is forgiveness. Repentance must be with us. Now, I wanted all of this, right? And I, said, I was trying to clarify something. So I said, well, you cannot pray away what God says is going to happen. But, that is, but this will bind, we repent, we, we, we cast it out, we declare it will not happen. You don't have that power. You don't. The only way you can do that is to go to God and say, God, please now. The example I use all the time is Moses and Amos. When Amos saw what God was about to do, he said, ha, how will Israel survive? Because she's so small. God, please. Then God said, it will not happen. He went to God and begged. When God said to Moses, I'm going to destroy these people, Moses went, God, "Uh -uh, don't do this. You know the kind of God that you are. You are just God. He called his name. He invoked the name of God over the situation. And God relented. He did that again and again and again. Last time we saw how um, Aaron took the censer, all right, put incense in it and waved it and the plague stopped. Which the Bible says, plague had come forth from the presence of God, from God. That was why it came, uh, from where it came. So you see, even though I said you cannot pray it away by just declaring and rebuking it, it does not mean it must come to pass. I've already dropped something now. We can beg. But in this situation, begging will not work. I have that conviction. Because there was a time, all right, that Jeremiah began to beg. Jeremiah was begging. And God said, sorry. Oh boy, don't worry about it. You know Moses is an expert beggar. Jeremiah said, I know. He said, you know Samuel. He knew how to pray for these people. You know, I say, I know. So God said, go and call the two of them. I still will not answer. <laughs> Jeremiah knew things were bad. I like the expression. He said, you know why? 
He said, because a destruction has been determined and it is overflowing with righteousness. So how do I handle it if I don't destroy? Where will the righteousness be? I didn't say God can't change his mind. I just said your prayer will not do some. And I think some of the situations. Not this particular one, the one that's coming after. However, <laughs> however, let's not forget the story of Nineveh. The story of Nineveh, we must not forget it. The prophet that God sent, Jonah, the story is in Jonah. A true story, I hope you know that. Of course, we are believers, so we believe the Bible. But Jonah's story is not even a Bible story alone. No. I found out that when ISIS was destroying some of the things they call shrines in some of these Islamic countries, there were tombs of people like Jonah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. When I heard that, I was surprised. I said, my God. So their tombs, you know, their graves remained until recent times when ISIS began to destroy them. So Jonah is not myth. It really happened. And one reason why the people believed Jonah was that God moved, there was a way God did it, when the when the uh, uh, fish released Jonah, he released Jonah onto the shore. And people saw it. The fish swam to the surface, vomited Jonah. He fell out of the belly of the fish. People ran away. And then next day, or a few days later, the same Jonah appeared in their city. And said, 40 days hence. And you guys are toast. <laughs> Let's be honest. Unless God has really sold you over to destruction, you will believe. That was how God sets Nineveh up for believing. Now, what I want to explain from there is that you see that Jonah did not even give them any chance. Jonah wanted them to be destroyed. He wanted a confirmation of his prophetic office. Because he said, was this not what I said? I mean, the man didn't like, why did he want to come was that he said, this God, he will promise fire and brimstone. Then he will rain water and ice, uh, water and ice block. That was why I annoyed Jonah. So when God said, go. said, go, go where? The last place I went, what happened? You told me in two, in two days, you will, you, 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 will, you will open the earth. It will, <laughs> it will swallow all of them. One week later, they were having parties. I came back the year later. See their gardens growing. Some small stupid boys were now pointing at me and saying, see false prophets. That was why Jonah did not agree to go. But God said, you will still go. You are my own. And the church must understand something. If we will not go, we will drown. Mark those words. The church that will not go, we drown. Listen, go and buy houses in Dubai. Buy in America. You know what happened to your houses? God will release. You know, he said, dust thou art, to dust you shall return. He said to Dubai, desert thou art, to desert you will return. If enough Christians buy houses there, God will blow everything back into the desert ages. Where can you hide from his presence? That's what David said. There is nowhere you will hide. Listen to me. I don't care where you are listening to this from. Wherever you have gone to build a cocoon for protection of your family, God said, that is where I will start judgment from. There is nowhere to hide from his presence. Wherever you claim you want to hide, that is where he's going to start judgment from. You know what he said? In repentance and in rest, you'll be saved. The church that will not go will drown. The earth will be shaken because of the anger of God 
against the people and the church that will not go. That's like he did on the, on, on the sea. And then he will toss the Jonah overboard. That's what he does. That is a kind of God that we have kept in a box. We didn't like his face. We wanted the ones that buy us ice cream, buys us, buys us new cars, builds us, build us houses, and gives us prosperity. Except that that is not even up to half of his character. Anyway, back to what I'm trying to say. You know, sorry, you have to pardon me. When I'm preaching so once in a while, I just go as the Spirit leads me on a particular time in there. But I, rem- I always return to where I was. So in Jonah's case, he didn't want the people to survive, really. He, but God moved upon them. They believed the words of Jonah. And you know what happened? They were not destroyed. Forty days hence, Nineveh will be destroyed, will be overtaken. The king heard of it. He made a decree. He caused the whole land to repent from their wickedness. Listen, Nineveh was the headquarters of the Assyrians. They were known to be a wicked people. The Assyrians were wicked. They conquered, God said it now, that even when I raised them up against the people, that they don't do it out of righteousness. They do it out of wickedness. Their desire is to loot and to plunder. And they did not used to win wars. Like, you know, the way Americans win these days, you know, rebuild the place and all of that. No, 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 no. When Assyria, when Assyria will fight, they will kill everybody, cut the bellies of pregnant women. Then when they are done, they destroy the land. They waste it. And God said, must you fight like this? He saw the wickedness. The wickedness in Assyria was bad. But when the king heard of judgment, you know, I said something last time, that there's a difference between the will of God and the judgment or decree of the Almighty. The will of God all the time is that no one should perish. That is the mistake we have made in our preaching. We make it look like that is the one that always stands. No. The will of God is only, no, it only stands when we agree to, pardon me to use the technological expression, to download it on the earth. So Jesus said, pray like this, that it will be done. That we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects. It's when we are doing those things that his will happens. What we really, that the purpose of our lives is to ensure that his will happens. But what happens all the time is his decree. It was never the will of God for Nineveh to be destroyed. There were many people there, like God said, who did not know their left from their right. They were committing sins because of the elders. They were committing sins because the elders wrote laws and allowed some things in the society. And God never wanted them to be destroyed. But when the king arose and led everybody into repentance, then the will of God was done. So God wrote a new decree, and that was his will now. That is the decree he wrote now, agreed with his will that was there all the while. But when the people did not pray, when the people did not repent, his judgment was going to be against what his will was. And his judgment is always based on righteousness. What am I going to say? So even though people have this, they, 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 they've declared by prophetic words, clear prophetic visions, people were caught up into the heavens. And God spoke to them that this is what I am bringing upon the earth. Remember Jonah. That's all I have to say about that. Remember Jonah. Remember Nineveh. The people of Nineveh heard. And they went on their knees. They declared a fast. 
The king said not even the animals will be fed. Not even babies will be fed. You ain't breastfeeding any baby. Everybody's going to cry. Because he saw destruction coming. And God relented. Before Nineveh was destroyed, I don't know the exact number of years, but over 100 years, maybe more than 200 years before Nineveh was finally destroyed. But that generation escaped. The righteousness they lent affected the next generation. They also escaped. So even though God is speaking to the whole world, that is what I am going to do. If only they will repent. If only they will fear. I pray that we preachers should stop talking nonsense. I pray we will stop talking nonsense. I pray we'll stop, you know, healing, like the prophet said, the heart of the people slightly. Same peace, peace, when there is no peace. Listen to me, people of this earth. There is no peace coming for you. He said, when they say peace, peace, he says, then sudden destruction shall overtake them. That is the word of God for this season. He said, they have stressed my patience to the limit. The Red Prince said something once. He said, the Lord said to him that I have been very good to America. It was many years ago. And anytime God tells you, I have been good to you, be afraid. Because what he's saying is this. So why do you now pay me back like this? He said, you of all the peoples of the earth, he was telling them through Amos, have I chosen as my own? He said, therefore, I will punish you for your iniquity. The closer you are with God, the stronger your punishment when you err. That's not a joke. Go and check the story of Moses. What sin don't people commit every day that Moses did one and God said, no, you're not going anywhere. Moses was so close and God said, no, 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 this one, it will not fly. Don't assume that, you know, when you're close to God, that's what some people think that because we're important men of God, because we have labored for God, Therefore, we can do anything. We can be touching the choir girls, small, small. God will forgive us. Because, you know, that last crusade, we won 10,000 people. Every month, God knows now, for my business, the church gets 15 million and I have to preach the gospel. So if I just steal small, God should overlook it because of 15 million I give every month. Let me tell you something about the character of God. The closer you are to him, the more you have experienced his power. The harsher his judgment against you. He said, so you have preached and you have saved 10,000. So you have experienced the power of the ages to come. So you should know that adultery, sexual immorality is against my will. You should know me that well. That's, what, that's how God behaves. You should know me that well. So he said to Israel, he said, you, have, you saw it, all of you. I delivered you from Egypt. Ha-ha. <laughs> Ten plagues took you through the, through the Red Sea, to the wilderness, rained manna for 40 years. You saw all kinds of miracles. I drove out nations more powerful than you for you. He said, therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. <laughs> That's how God behaves. Let nobody, li- oh God, like I said, these words, she will hear the true gospel from us. We should get on radio and TV and stop saying God does not want to destroy you. He wants to destroy you. He will. If you don't like destruction, repent. That's all he's saying. It's not his first choice. 
is never his first choice. But he will. You legalize homosexual marriages, abortion, mercy killing of elderly people. God said, that land will vomit up the inhabitants thereof. It will. No matter how peaceful. And you know what I don't understand? is Christians who don't believe anything. You see Solomon and Gomorrah like this. You see them with human sacrifices, baby sacrifices to Molech. You see them erecting Asherah poles everywhere, sacrificing all kinds of things to the gods of fertility so that they can prosper. You see it. You see their temples. Let me tell you something. Idol worship comes in different forms, depending on the generation you are dealing with. There was a time that idol worship was, you go to a shrine, you see one heavy statue, Zeus. One heavy statue, Molech, Baal. But now you rarely see that. What you find is a disco hall. What you find is gay camps. That's what you find. Listen, many of the things they call uh, gay, this, uh, homosexuality, this, those days, that was the way by which those gods were worshipped. Now we don't take living babies now to a shrine and toss the baby into a fire. We don't. What we do is just approve by governmental legislation what we call late-term abortion. It's the same thing. It's baby sacrifices. You see people institute that one after the other. But because the land is green, because the land is well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land, when you move towards Goshen, this is exactly, those are the things that Lord said. Then he pitched his tent towards there. People of God, learn a lesson from Lot. Learn a lesson from Lot. People claim to, claim to believe. Why don't, just, why don't they just behave like they believe? Why don't they just behave like your father Abraham, who only went to a land because God said that's the direction you will go? Who was dwelling in tents when the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were living in brick buildings? They had all kinds of technological development. You know, I was reading today, something led to it. I found a site again. Some said they found where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. And balls of sulfur still found there till today. That that's the purest form of sulfur you find naturally on the earth. 97% pure. Burning sulfur. And all of them have this black ring around them to show that they were on fire at the time. That, that story is not... <laughs> this story is real. God may change the way by which he destroys people, but he still destroys people when they continue iniquity. When he's angry, he tells an angel, blow on the waters, strike the bottom of the ocean, and a tsunami will come and kill 300,000. And he says, I'll be back. That's how he behaves. I'll be back. The next angel that comes, he hit that ocean again. The next tsunami takes 1.5 million. God says, I will be back. I will be back. The only way to prevent the destruction of Nineveh, people of God understand it, is if you can get Nineveh to, dis- to, to repent. I feel this earth has been stretched to a limit. God says, I have a choice of two. Either destroy sinners on it or destroy the earth itself. With the sinners thereof. One of the reasons why God destroys sinners, and listen, I will preach it. Many people can say, Pastor Mark is an old school preacher. I like it. I have made up my mind in this life. I am not going to preach to please anybody. 
It's a prayer I pray when I want to go and preach. God, please, don't let me preach to make anybody happy. Don't let me preach to be popular. Two people I like their ministry now is John the Baptist and Amos. <laughs> Honestly. I preach a God that gets angry and sinners are destroyed. I preach to Jesus that he said, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish out of the way. That is the God I preach to. I say this to you, listen to me under the spirit of God. The earth has been stretched by the iniquity of man. And God said, I have a choice. I have only two choices. I have to make one. Either I destroy sinners from the surface of the earth, or I destroy the earth with the sinners. So when he told Israel, I'm bringing you into a promised land. He said, you know, I'm taking the people out. He said, listen to this. I'm not bringing you in because you are righteous. I'm bringing you in because I made a covenant with your fathers. He told them that. He now said, I'm taking them out because their sins polluted the land. They have polluted the land again and again. They have polluted the land with their ingratitude towards God. They polluted the land with their wickedness, with their sexual immorality. With this, they polluted the land, so the land is vomiting out the inhabitants. What people don't know is that when you hear of Hittites, Amorites, Jebusites, most of those eyes you hear of, they don't even have a descendant on the earth today. God wiped them out and erased the memory of them. Some of them dig the earth to the core. You won't find any archaeological digging to let you know they ever existed. They are places where God said to Israel, when you get there, break everything, kill everybody, burn everything. Dig from now to tomorrow, you won't find anything. Destroy the walls, destroy the pottery. They will carry away the metal. I said, take the metal out of there. Take it to the temple. This one, melt it down. When God wipes away some villages, David said he wipes out their memory. Dig from now to the core of the earth. You will not find anything to show you they ever existed. Do you know why? God was angry. Let me tell you, he's angry again. But like I said, remember Nineveh. Remember Jonah. Remember Nineveh. Remember Jonah. That is the only hope. That is the only way and God said, no, I, I, I will let that happen. If the people will arise and repent. One thing I'm sure of, God does not need 100% of the people to repent. No. He is not achievable. Why? He said he wishes that all men will come to repentance. It's a wish. But in every place, he has marked some people that are supposed to be the salt of the place. That's why the church, listen, if you're, if, if you're a Christian, listen. Don't ever blend with the world because you've condemned the world by blending with them. So if the people that God is angry with on this earth are going to have any hope for salvation against the plagues of God. It's only the Nineveh experience that can save them. The prayer of the saints from outside will not do it. If the saints want anything good to happen, then send prophets into those lands. Some of them, they will roundly put in prison. Which is unfortunate. Because when you begin to prophesy, 
Because prophesying, you see, Christians, we have learned to be nice to the world. They said, don't criticize. Inclusiveness. Don't call sin, sin. Call it alternative lifestyle. So when you want to go there and prophesy, you have to call sin, sin. God said, woe to him that calls good, evil, and evil, good. So if you are going to prophesy, you cannot say what is evil is good, or there's nothing wrong with it. So that's what happens. Some prophets will arise. They will call good, good, and evil, evil. And they will say, you are speaking to hurt the feeling of people. And they will take them and put them in prison. God will say, Banke, say what, do you, what now do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Jo- Jonah came. Instead of these people to repent, they took Jonah and locked him up. I will release my Jonah, then I will kill everybody. <laughs> Sorry I'm laughing, but that's how God behaves. That was not supposed to be my main message for today. And that was just a prophetic utterance. Let's get to the main message. What is the main message? It's about Passover. It's about what? Passover. What is Passover? God cut Goshen out and did not let the plagues of Egypt come inside there. And I'm preaching this to the people of God. When I was telling my wife this morning, <laughs> I saw alarm in her face for a, for a, for a short while. She was alarmed. <laughs> I just listened to that message. I said, sweetheart, this was exactly what I said last week now. He said, what are you saying? I told her what this man of God just said. Reminded of what I said last week. She said, hey, I said, oh, Barry. <laughs> where are we going to go? Listen to me. You don't have to go anywhere. Because he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If I see the blood, says the Lord, I will pass over you. And there are places where God said, because my remnant, my soul, the light of this world, they are there. And they are living in righteousness and invoking my mercy upon the land. The judgment will just fly over. A whole nation will be safe. A whole region will be safe. Listen, where are you going to run to? Into the Lord. Run to that rock. You know that song we used to sing? Rock of Ages. Let me hide myself in the, you know, those people say that, no, it's a song of, and let me not get there. Ah, we are preaching all kinds of funny things. That mess, that song, you should sing it. It's not an Old Testament song. Rock of ages, clear for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Meditate on that song till you understand what it means to hide yourself in Christ. That is where salvation is. Listen, the plague in Israel, in Egypt, was serious. It was bad. All kinds of plague. And why those people kept calm was that God, Moses would tell them, Aaron will speak to them. Don't worry. The peace of God is upon you. And he said to them, listen, there's one dangerous one that is coming. This angel does not know how to cut division geographically. He only knows how to cut that division bloodily. <laughs> oh, okay, let me use a word for it. Hematologically. He only uses blood. So God says what he will do. He will take the lamb. He will do this. Deep his up, put it on your lintel, put it on your doorposts. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, the eternal blood, the eternal lamb of God, 
that was sacrificed for you and for me, his name is Jesus Christ. I, I want to say that in again. Jesus is the eternal lamb of God. He was sacrificed for you and for me. And we are covered with his blood. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, all you need to do is just abide there. Don't go out. You know any Israelite that decided that uh, this Moses, your own, is too much? Why are you locking me down? You know, lockdown. Moses pronounced a lockdown. And said, nobody should go out. I hope you know, if one family decided to go out to go and watch him that night, the cinema hall wouldn't have any. <laughs> they would die there. Their first man would die there. They would bring his cause back home. The people needed to learn how to abide, hiding under the power of the blood. That's what I want to preach today. Listen, in Christ, there is safety. Let me say it again. In Christ, there is safety. In Christ, there is what? Safety. That is the only place where God has kept safety. There's no safety outside. There's no safety in any country. There's no safety in any development anywhere. You know, some of us, we so idolize science in the morning. We worship the God, G-O-D, small G now, of science. That is science being God. We are waiting for science to solve this problem now. Medically speaking, I don't know how they are going to do it. Confusion everywhere. You know, everybody just assumes that after a while, vaccine will come out. HIV has been here for how long? No vaccine till today. You think it's automatic? People just assume that once they have the vaccine, we show. HIV has been here, ravaging everywhere, at least since the late 80s. That's more than 30 years. I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars have gone into research into the vaccine for HIV. Nothing yet. Nothing. Before this, you know, SARS-CoV-2, which causes this COVID-19, that's the proper name for the virus they've given it, SARS-CoV-2. Before it showed up, there was SARS-CoV-1, just called SARS-CoV. There was SARS-MERS, that's a MERS-CoV, okay? But apart from these three, there were four, there are four coronaviruses that human beings have regularly. No vaccine. They're not as deadly as this one, but there's no vaccine. So if you think a magical thing will happen, that vaccine will just show all of a sudden, don't keep your, listen, if it happens, know it is God that said this plague is enough. Yeah, he does that. He looked after a while. He said the plague of smallpox is enough. He allowed them to develop a vaccine. They wiped out smallpox. It was not human beings that wiped out smallpox. It was God that said it's enough. Because there are times God will say, I don't want to use this anymore. Don't assume that automatically, just give them enough time, medical science will find a solution. They don't always find. Oh, no, they don't always find if you know the billions of dollars, forget the money, human resources, mind power that has gone into research to cure cancer. If we are going to 0.100 and we start at zero, we are still at number two or three. If 100 is a cure, struggling every day. Like I said earlier, HIV has been here ravaging for over 30 years. There's no vaccine till today. So don't put hope <laughs> where it does not belong. Go. One problem I have is when I see Christians that don't believe. 
Just because they went to school, got one, one dirty bachelor's in something. They want to release, reduce God to a, to a virus. It's like reducing a marksman that shoots to his bullet. If you remove this bullet, you buy another one. You know, they build a you know, bulletproof vest. The guy designs it. <laughs> I saw one on TV once. Very funny. They designed a bullet to smash through bulletproof vests. That's a tiny explosive at the tip. In that fraction, one over 1,000 of a second, it will explode, cut the vest, and still continue traveling. You can't reduce the maximum to that bullet you have seen. Viruses are like the bullets of the spiritual world. When God's anger is there, gives you when he's tired of that, he throws it away. He says, okay, give them vaccines. So don't hope in human beings. That's the point I'm going to make. You want to hope? Hope in God alone. Get on your knees and say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. That's how I pray. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Just keep declaring, Lord, have mercy. And you don't say, Lord, have mercy and go back to reckless living. It's Lord, have mercy with repentance. Instead of the church, you know, to go to Europe and preach real gospel, they went to be servicing Nigerians that went to look for money. <laughs> Start repatriating money all over the place. Oh, anyway, let me stick with the main thing I came here to do. That's to remind the people, the people of God, don't be afraid. What did I say? Say, let me hear it. Say one more time. There is no need to fear. Yes. If you are in Christ, there is no need to fear. Let me talk about Christ Jesus. There is nobody that is inside him. And that's why some of our preaching, we need to balance it well. I used to tell my wife something. You know, very good woman she is. She wants to pray for people. She'll be declaring the, gospel, the word. In Jesus' name, the Bible says, I said, hey, wait, sit down. The Bible didn't say so. <laughs> Until the person you are praying for has declared faith in Christ Jesus. This promise you are quoting doesn't work. Very important. It's only in Christ Jesus. That's what I want to emphasize. There is no body that is in Christ that can be cursed. There is no, listen to what I want to say. This is not blasphemy. This is the word of God. God likes what I want to say. Even though it may sound one kind. If I'm reducing God, I'm not reducing him. There's no anger of God that can meet somebody inside Christ. God cannot be so angry that he will find you in Christ and still punish you. It doesn't happen. Is is if people don't know, it's when you come out, they say stay inside here. You, you now stretch one leg to quickly collect the chocolate that your friend threw. That is when the anger of God will remove the hand and the leg. Because if he was in Christ, no, he came out to collect sweet. He came out to collect sweet. If he abides in Christ, there's no listen to me. There's no wrath of God. Listen to me. If God's wrath is manifested by atomic warfare and somebody is in Christ, listen to me, even then, he will not be burnt. No matter how bad atomic warfare is, it cannot blow apart the protective arm of the Almighty. That's why when I'm praying for people, I say, even if you sit on a bomb, 
it will not go off. If it goes off, it will not enjoy you. There are bombs that go off for the deliverance of the people of God. Did you hear what I said? The bomb goes off to deliver people. I'll tell you two interesting stories. One I told here a few days ago. But let me tell you the second one I read from God Smuggler. I think, was it God Smuggler? No, I think it's Happiest People on Earth. I think it's in the Happiest People on Earth. One of those books. During the Second World War, of course, Germany was fighting the rest of the world. Remember that? The Allied versus the, what they call the Axis. And what happened was that um, there were Christians in Germany. There were Christians in the rest of the world. Do you understand? Germany also had Christians. I want to talk about the Christians in Germany. So some Christians in Germany gathered one day. And, of course, what used to happen is that when the bombing starts... You see, those guys who just come carpet bombing, destroy, bombing, destroying cities, destroy, destroying everywhere. So each city will have bomb shelters. These are strong bunkers made of concrete, solid concrete, underground, where people could go to hide. So they were in church, and the bomb alarm went off. The siren went, mm-hmm, everybody knew what to do. So they all ran into the bomb shelter. So they, were here, they could feel the vibrations, the bombs dropping everywhere. So by the time the all clear was sounded, people are supposed to come out of the shelters and go and see what ruin is there to recover from. Except that this group of Christians, maybe by 100 or 150 of them, I can't remember the number, they tried to open the door. The door is solid metal, solid steel. They tried. It had a welded shot on the, under the intensity of the bombing. It had a welded shot. You couldn't even touch it. It was hot. The first men that went, they ran back because of the heat. Men, were going to, men, women, children were going to suffocate to death. Buried underground. They were banging on the door with everything they could find there. <laughs> the door that was designed to withstand a bomb. Are you getting my point? Is it human beings it can, that we, it will yield to? So the men gathered. What do we do? Somebody, one of them said, what else can we do? We pray. So they bowed their heads and asked God for deliverance. And then they relaxed. Then they had one last, you know, they had said everybody should come out before. But there was one plane that came after the all clear. It was still bombing. That one came, came, dropped bomb, bam, 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 dropped the last bomb near the door, blew the door open. <laughs> and continued going. But then that one left, the door was wide open, and they were safe. He dropped a bomb near the door and blew it open. God walks, listen, when God wants to destroy, de- 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 deliver somebody, he will deliver you. When God wants to deliver, hey, Father in heaven. The other one I was saying, telling you about, was the person that told the story. Two planes collided in the airport. One landed on the other one. Both planes burst into flames. And one man sat down there, a Christian, and he saw the flame hurtling towards him. He saw people shouting, cursing God and all of that. And they, but he, he just bowed his head, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. Next he heard was an explosion under his seat. The explosion took him through the open, a crack had developed above his head. The explosion threw him out of it onto the grass. A man who had bowed to the Lord, into your hand I commit your, my, my spirit. Because you are not good anywhere. You want to escape from the work I gave you to do. You're not serious. You're not good anywhere. The fuel tank under him exploded in that instant and shot him right through the open cabin. 
because a crack had developed there. He said the only injury he had was as he was passing through, his hand touched one metal. So he cut him. That was the only injury. It's as if God said, no, take that mark. So that because people won't believe this thing. Listen, God can deliver his people from anything. He can deliver, not he can, he will deliver his people from anything. Nothing is too difficult for him to do. Let me say it again. Nothing is too difficult for him to do. I speak by the spirit of God. No matter what comes upon this earth, those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who hide in Christ will not be disappointed. Christ Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood is upon our heads. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are being built. We are buildings for God. And what am I saying? Upon us, his blood has been smeared. It's on the lintels of our bodies, on the doorposts of our bodies, on the lintels of our souls, on the doorposts of our souls. And I declare in the name of Jesus, everyone that hides in him will be safe. No, from this plague, you are safe. No matter what comes after, you are safe. You hear of tankers blowing up and killing people. Even if you, if, even if you were fetching your key from inside a tank, when it blows up, it will not kill you. Amen. It will not because your life is hid with Christ in God. Listen, anything that wants to kill, it gets his register first. Like I said last time, sometimes the angels will say, they'll give the angels, this is the list of those you can't touch. So as he's going, he's looking at the list. They say, okay, don't worry. One angel has gone ahead of you. He has marked people. He has marked. He has marked. He has marked. That one will go. He will have marked. I hope you're getting my point here. And then anytime they see the ones that have been marked, the angel of death will spare those ones. Even if it's a demon of death, it will even run faster. That is, run away. I hope you're getting my point here. Listen, in Christ Jesus, there's safety for everybody. It's our Passover lamb. That's what I'm trying to explain. So when you hear of calamity, don't worry about it. When you hear of impending trouble, what to just do is simple. Dig yourself deeper into Christ. Dig yourself deeper into what? Into whom? Christ. Dig yourself deeper into Christ. Listen, don't let fear come upon you. If they say, look, Ebola will combine with corona, become one deadly virus, spreading the speed of corona, killing with the efficiency of Ebola. Don't worry yourself. You know what he says? Only with your eyes. That's it. You will see it, but it will not come near you. And there's something I said before. Look, make it a habit. Ask the Lord for your loved ones. No matter where they are, mention their name. Say, God, see this is my brother. Keep him. See this is my sister. This is my friend. Mention their names. My mother, my grandmother. Mention their names. A loved one. There are many people who will be saved just because you asked. That's what God does. People that will have been destroyed. There are times people, the children of David will talk. They will misbehave. God will say, I will have finished all of you, but I just remember your father David. For that reason, he shows mercy. Now, let's, let's go back to that Psalm 91. I want to read something, and then I begin to round off what, I, what we are discussing. This time around, I think what we should do is, actually, that's what I want us to do. To declare these words together. 
He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now what tells me, what this tells me is that there are two things here. One is a doing of man, that is, by your faith, you will move yourself into a particular place. And as a result of that, you will experience what the Bible calls the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty means the defense of the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty means the protection of the Almighty. The immunity that the Almighty provides. That's the meaning of the shadow of the Almighty. But it says, what you need to do is to deliberately take certain actions. You know, you walk into the shelter. What, what that is saying is that you keep yourself. That's your own decision. That's your own action. Keep yourself in the shelter. You understand? The secret place of the Most High. Then you'll find yourself abiding under the covering of the Almighty. Now, this is my understanding. How do you do that? One of the things you do, David said, I will say of the Lord. What you say of the Lord is so important. Life is spiritual. With this, our mouths will decide the kind of things that happen. Who has control over us? Like I said last time, you can make up your minds you want to be a statistic. Your life is a matter of probability. Or you can say of the Lord, my refuge, my fortress. You can call him all kinds of names. You can say my life. That is, it is in him that I live, in him that I move, in him I have my being. Is what you say of the Lord. That is one key thing by which you dwell under the protection of the Almighty. So David taught us like this. He said, I will say of the Lord, my refuge. That is, I call God. I talk about him, my refuge. I call him my fortress. He's my God in whom I trust. He said, it is he who delivers. Now, let me personalize it now. He is the one that delivers me. These are things I say. From the snare of the uh, trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers. Under his wings, I will seek refuge. His faithfulness is my shield and my bulwark. Now, begin to declare, I will not be afraid of the terror by night, of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, of the destruction. Now, this is the pestilence we are dealing with now. I will not be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at my side, or ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. With my eyes I will look, and I will see the recompense that's coming upon those that refuse to call upon the Lord. God said, for you have made the Lord your refuge. That you said the Lord is my refuge. You have made the Most High your dwelling place. Now I wanted to say amen to this. No evil will befall you. Amen. This time around, you need to say the amen. And before I did, I was reading. Now I'm prophesying. No evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. God will give his angels charge concerning you. Amen. They will guard you in all your ways. Amen. They will bear you up in their hands. Amen. You will not strike your foot against a stone. Amen. This is the word of God. He will set you securely on high. Amen. You will call upon him and he will answer you. Amen. In the time of trouble, he will rescue you. Amen. And he will honor you. Amen. With long life, he will satisfy you. Amen. And let you see his salvation. Amen. There's protection there, brethren. 
One of my friends is a physician in the United States. So I chatted with him once in a while. I said, how is it going? Of course, you know what's going on in the world right now. And, the infl- and how it's really waxing strong in the United States. He said, we, take the, we say we take care, but we come home and recite Psalm 91. That's what he told me. <laughs> he said, we come and recite Psalm 91. That this is what he and his wife and his children, of, of course, everybody's at home now. Like Sadhu was saying, Selvaraj, he said, God has given everybody this lockdown for families to gather, repent of their ways, get to know the Lord better. It's not just to be staring at cartoon and playing games for children. Sit down and say, children, let's talk about pestilence. Read this one and say, what is pestilence? Say, well, it comes by different names. There's Lassa fever. There's Ebola. <laughs> there's coronavirus. There's yellow fever. There's plague. There's smallpox. We declare all of those things for them. What is, where is the protection? It's in God. The virus. The earth shaking. The bacteria. All of those things are bullets that somebody's firing. Don't be impressed with the bullets. Check who's firing them. Who can protect you? No weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. You teach the children these things. You interact with them. Sadhu Savarai says something that you have just one year to do that. <laughs> he said 2020 for him, he said, is a year of preparation. Because 2021 is the year of calamity. <laughs> he didn't say how to prepare. When he was talking, this scripture was coming to me. There's nowhere else on earth apart from in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're in Christ, when it's time to eat, God, you think the God of the wilderness has retired? The one that rained manna from heaven. He's not retired yet. The God that healed those that were beaten by the serpent, he hasn't retired. The God that works miracles, he hasn't retired. Listen, people of God, And I said this the other time. Let me say it again. Enough of news. You have read enough news. There's not they want to tell you now that you have not heard. Coronavirus has killed people. Is it news now? So don't fill your head. Don't fill your heart with information from out there. One thing the disciples of Jesus enjoyed was advanced knowledge. So we tell them, when you see the armies begin to surround Jerusalem, know her desolation is near. And he told them, this is what you will do. At that point, get out. He said, before that, you hear about wars and rumors of wars. Don't be disturbed. Just relax. He said, as for leaving Jerusalem, I'll let you know. But before that, I pray that that will not happen on a Sabbath day and that it will not happen during winter. So once you see the armies begin to gather around Jerusalem, know how desolation is near. Don't rebuke the Roman soldier. You just pack your things and leave from the city. He told them at another time, he said, listen, when you see this and see this, he said, the heart of men will begin to fail them. He said, don't let it ever happen to you. As for you, look up. Rejoice. He actually says, straighten your head. Look up. For your redemption draws near. There are different kinds of redemption. There's the ultimate redemption in which we will we'll be changed. We'll get an immortal body. There will be a new body given to all the believers. We'll be caught up in an instant. There's, another, there's one like that, finally. But before that time, there are different kinds of redemption. Anytime you say, say stock market is crashing, look up. Your prosperity is just near. <laughs> no, that's one form of redemption. That is one form of redemption. 
There is, listen, there's one thing one man of God said long ago. He said, there's no calamity that comes upon this earth that takes everybody. The worst calamity that ever came upon the earth was the flood of Noah. He did not take Noah. He did not take his household. So no matter what you hear, know that when they say 90% die, say, that means they must have been counting people like us when they say 10% live. When they say 99% die, you say, well, we are the 1% that will live. If they say 100% die, you say they didn't count it well. <laughs> yeah, they didn't count it. They say, no, they meant 99.9. But me, I will, Bible says I should look up and rejoice. For what? My redemption draws near. Let's rise to our feet. I want us to declare the word of God. The safety in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to begin to declare. In the last time we did it, you know, there is a sacri- each time God ordains a sacrifice. When that angel was there, God said, the angel said to God, go and tell David that the Lord said, offer a sacrifice. I said last time that God is saying, this is the sacrifice I want now. Acknowledge the Lord. Give him thanks. Do those two things. Begin to acknowledge him again, like we did last time. Acknowledge him. Say, Jesus, you are the Lord. Mention his name. You no, know, these days they want to hide his name. They call him everything. You hear music these days. They will praise God, praise God. You won't hear the name Jesus. They will sing, sing, church music. The name Jesus is missing. Jesus said, you are ashamed of me. You are ashamed of me. Today, let's not be ashamed of him. Call his name. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are God manifested in flesh. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Lordian. I'm not a Godian. I'm a Christian. Through Christ Jesus, I know God the Father. Through Christ Jesus, I know God the Creator. Through Christ Jesus, I know of my sin and the forgiveness that I have in Him. Because before Christ, many of us won't even know we are sinful. Say, Jesus, you are the one that has revealed everything to me. In your light, Lord, I see light. Jesus, in your light, I see light. Everything is dark outside you. Acknowledge him, first of all. It's so important. Wherever you are, acknowledge Jesus. We're not preaching righteousness. That is, walk right, do what is good. No. We're not preaching good, preaching good behavior. I'm not preaching, you know, decent, a decent life. I'm preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm saying Jesus was born of that young virgin Mary. Who conceived of the Holy Spirit? He was the Son of God. He lived and he died. When he died, he was shedding his life for my sake and your sake. He died that you might be redeemed, that I might be redeemed. That's Jesus I know. He was not a teacher of righteousness. He was God manifested in flesh. He was not just a teacher. He was a precious lamb of God. That John the foreigner said takes away the sins of the whole world. He died for Jews and Gentiles. He died for Arabs and Africans. He died for white and for black. He died for man, for woman. He died for the old and for the young. He died for the ones that appeared pure in his own eyes and the ones that looked like a sinner. He died for all. The Lamb of God. The precious Lamb of God. Takes away the sins of the whole world. Jesus, we worship you and we acknowledge you. 
Jesus, we call you your name. The God-appointed judge of the living and the dead. The king that will come back and is coming back soon. The ruler of God's creations. The I am that I am. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. <laughs> the one that holds the candlesticks of the churches in his hands. The ones that the eyes blaze like fire. Jesus is our Lord. Let's confess him. We need to confess his name. The one we are talking about, the Jesus that gathered Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and the other ones, and had 12 disciples. The Jesus that was betrayed by Judas. The Jesus that went to the cross, who was in the grave for three days and three nights. The Jesus that rose again from the dead. The Jesus that is alive and will never die again. We need to confess him. You know what he said? Kiss the son, lest he be angry. We don't want him to be angry. We want to, in fact, we're already pleased. He's already pleased with us. We're just affirming those, those things. The firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the Jesus who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Yes. <laughs> John described him. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, which had been made to glow in the furnace. The Jesus with a voice like the sound of many waters. The Jesus that holds the seven stars. From whose mouth comes the sharp two-edged sword, whose face shines like the sun, shining in his strength. The Jesus, the living one, the first and the last. He that was dead and is alive forevermore. He that holds the keys of death and of Hades. This Jesus is my Lord. This Jesus is our Lord. We are his body on the earth. We acknowledge him. I want you to declare concerning your life, yourself, your family, that I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Just say it like that. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. Say it, I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I am under the shadow of the Almighty. No evil will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. No evil will befall me. Anyone under my influence, my covering, in my home, my wife, my children, my loved ones, my businesses, whatever it is that's under my covering, is covered by the blood of Jesus. Covered by the blood of Jesus. Immune from plagues and pestilences. Shielded by the glory of God. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. Declare it. I walk in faith, I walk in repentance, I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I walk in holiness, I walk in righteousness, I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I dwell there. I don't live there. I don't live there. That is, I don't depart. That's what I mean by live. I don't leave the place. But I live in there. I live in there. The glory of God is my rear guard. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so am I surrounded. 
The mercy of God is upon me. It's upon my household. It's upon his church. It's upon his church. It's upon his children. It's upon his people. The mercy of God is upon me. Declare it to my sins are forgiven. All things have passed away. The prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. Satan has nothing in me. The anger of God is not against me. I dwell in Christ Jesus. So my sins are forgiven. I dwell in Christ Jesus. The plagues cannot come to me. I'm in the Goshen of God. <laughs> I'm in the Goshen of God. I'm not afraid. I cannot be afraid. My redemption already draws near. My redemption draws near. My redemption draws near. Declare this and say, upon my household. Say, the blood of Jesus speaks. Wipes away every handwriting of ordinances written against me. The record of my iniquities, he wipes them away. He even wipes away the consequences thereof. People will say, ah, God may forgive you, but the consequences remain. That's unbelief. In Christ Jesus, even the consequences depart. In Christ Jesus, I am washed clean. I become immune to every viral attack. This pestilence that wastes at noonday, I'm immune. Because of Christ. Because of the power of his blood. Because of Christ, because of the power of his blood, I am immune. Declare these words. Declare these words. Say it, I have obtained mercy. The Lord is my shepherd. I have obtained mercy. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I have obtained mercy. I will not lack for divine protection. I have obtained mercy. Goodness and loving kindness. Following me all the days of my life. I have obtained mercy. Because I am in Christ. I am in Jesus. The will of God is manifested in my life. Just give him thanks because he has heard you. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Lord Jesus, I worship you. King of glory, Lord of lords, I am that I am. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Let's continue to thank the Lord for freedom. Let's continue to thank the Lord for the protection that we have in him. Let's just give him thanks. Like we said, the Lord indeed is our safety. The Lord is our Passover. And in him we trust. Our trust is in the Lord. Our trust is not in science. Our trust is in God. We have safety in him. Our confidence is in him. So just thank him. This whole thing is spiritual. This whole thing is spiritual. So let's give him thanks. And say, Lord, we are grateful. We are truly grateful for reassuring us that we are safe in you. Thank you, Lord, for reassurance. Thank you, Lord, for reassurance. Thank you, Lord, for reassurance. Lord, we bless your name forever. We give you praise. We will continue to hold on to you. We will continue to hide under that rock that is our safety and our supply. We will continue to hide under that rock. We give you praise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you because you will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. 
uh, is a promise that you made to Abraham that you will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. And we thank you because by faith you have made us righteous. And by faith we are walking righteously. We give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord. Say praise the name of Jesus. All right, let's uh, share the grace and fellowship before we.